Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Isn't It Lovely podcast, the podcast that seeks to shine a light on all that is lovely. I am Rachel. And I am Tracy. And today we got to have Jason Van Ruler sit down with us. Jason is a licensed therapist in Sioux Falls, and he is super popular on social media for all of his helpful advice. And he recently wrote a phenomenal book about healing and relationships entitled Get Past Your Past. We are so excited for you guys to hear this conversation. And we also wanted to say thank you so much to our sponsor for this episode, Ignite Fitness, our favorite place to work out, especially now, Tracy, that the weather is changing and it's freezing cold all the time. This is our favorite hot yoga fitness studio. There's classes for everybody, high impact, low impact. Your first class is always free if you go to ignitefitness.studio or use the Mind Body app. Thanks, Ignite. Okay. Well, I'm so excited that I get to get us started. And this Do has it. been so much fun because I got to hear you in a small group setting over the yeah. last couple of weeks, which was a joy and a delight. So I have quoted you probably no less than 20 times to sure. different people this week. So if I could go build a time machine and go back in time to where you start your book, Get Past Your Past, where you open by saying you had had a really tough night with some alcohol, some drug use. You woke up the next morning knowing some things to change. If I could go back and tell that Jason, hey, one day you're going to be a licensed therapist and people are going to be quoting you for advice on how to change their lives. Like what would that Jason have said? I highly doubt it. I highly <laughs> doubt it. I'm very skeptical. Can you give us, for those who haven't had the chance to meet your read your book, can you give us just a great quick little uh, biography of how you got to where you are today? Yeah. So um, I'm one of those people that would say I had um, a difficult childhood, which is not altogether uncommon anymore. Um, my parents divorced at eight. And so I kind of went from having this idyllic childhood to a very chaotic one uh, that had a lot of volatility. And so through that, there was trauma and abuse and addiction and just all the stuff you don't want. Mm -hmm. And so uh, what I did is I think what most people do, which they just say, I'm never going to do that. Right. So I'm finally free. I'm graduating high school. I'm going to be completely different. Uh, but the trouble was I didn't actually know how to do that. So I knew I wanted to be different, but I didn't know how to do it. And so I think subconsciously, I just basically designed the same life I came from. And so uh, I was just within a couple of years, all of these big ideas were kind of reduced to just doing the same thing I grew up with. Um, and that's really where the book starts is this place of just kind of that realization of, oh, I thought it'd be different. Like I was pretty sure life was going to be different than this. And yet here I am. The way that we found you, Jason, and I didn't even know you lived in Sioux Falls, honestly, is that we found you on Instagram and we saw some of the things that you were talking about. And I don't know, are you on TikTok? You're on TikTok as well. Okay. So there's this new thing that's happening in this generation of they're seeing these little clips on Instagram and TikTok about mental health, which has been so helpful, I think, for a lot of people. In your book, you talk about when you found help as a, with the cl clinical psychologist, was it? And that's when your life kind of turned would you say that's, that's accurate? It played a huge role. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. So what would you say to people that are finding things on TikTok and Instagram like yourself? How do they get started into finding somebody to talk to? Yeah, I think that's, that's a good question, especially because a lot of people are on social and so they're seeing this. Mm -hmm. And it's something I wrestled with as a therapist because we can't honestly give you the best stuff in 30 seconds. Like there's just no real way to do it. So what I often tell people is um, it's a start. It's not the solution. And so if that's the thing that gets you curious and started in the process, fantastic. But you don't want to just look at that to replace doing something. And so a lot of times just getting started in the process, I mean, you could even just do a Google search. Um, there are directory websites like Psychology Today where you can literally find a therapist for whatever it is you're looking for. Um, but I think starting to ask some questions of the people around you is good, too. Just saying, hey, who do you know? Who do you know that I could talk to about this? 
That's so fantastic. And I wonder if you have mixed feelings as a therapist about the role that social media plays with this, because I think in some ways it's destigmatized a lot of mental health issues, which of course we're always thrilled about. But on the other hand, people maybe can self-diagnose and just take on an identity and then become really entrenched in that identity without then taking the next steps to healing. So do you have kind of mixed feelings about it as well? Yeah, I totally do. Yeah, it's something I wrestled with professionally because I, I want to be the best at what I do. Um, but I know social media doesn't allow me to show up as the best at what I do. Um, it it allows a platform to perform and to kind of have a voice. Um, and so I struggle a little bit just because um, I think sometimes people sell themselves short uh, and they just find a reel or a video or a post that they relate to. Um, and sometimes they relate to it because it keeps them stuck. Right. So they say, I'm stuck and I relate to it, but it doesn't actually lead them out. It just makes them feel better about being stuck. And so something that I say to people a lot is if you fall into a pit, I don't want to hand you a tent so you can live there. I want to hand you a ladder. Hmm. And so my fear sometimes is that social media, if we're not careful, it just keeps people in that space because it makes them feel better about it. Absolutely. Well, this is a beautiful segue again into your book, which just read and loved, where you have a fantastic section in there that talks about creating genuine human connection and being vulnerable and putting yourself out there. What would you say to people that have done this in the past? Maybe not in the most healthy way, maybe didn't have the best boundaries around it, but maybe had experienced rejection from people and they want that love, they want that connection, but they've been told you're too much or you're not enough. So how can people get the courage to be vulnerable and take that risk again so they don't stay entrenched in that as well. Yeah. And that's really tough because a lot of times the same people who have struggled with that are the ones that have been rejected by primary caregivers are people really important in their life. And so that really made an impact, right? If your parents reject you, boy, that sticks with you. And so what I'll tell people is that we just want to ease into it. What I see people do that leads them down the wrong path is that they say, okay, I'm going to work myself up to being vulnerable. And then they don't take a lot of time and intention with who they choose to do that with. And they just kind of unload. So they say, okay, well, now you're my person and I'm going to tell you everything. Um, and I haven't really qualified you yet. And what do you think? And so the problem is, is if the person's not ready for it, they're probably not going to have the reaction that you want them to have. Um, and they might not even be the right person. And so what we work on is just how do I practice identifying people who are safe to do that with and then doing it in a small way and building even though we want to say everything, right? We're like, I just want to, you know, word vomit all over this person. But how do we start small so we reduce the likelihood of us being rejected in a big way? That is such excellent advice in just a truncated amount of time. I see why you're popular on Instagram and TikTok. We love your sound bites. <laughs> and yes. I was like, whoa, that's that so you wrestling good. with this? You yes. are nailing it. <laughs> Put that in my pocket. I want to go back to something you said and something in your book too. So I'm going to hang with me here. I'm going to get there. But you said something that I loved. You would rather give someone a ladder versus a tent and just sitting in maybe your past. You talk about looking back at the past, but more so gazing at the past and not living in the past. I love what you said about like, okay, I came from a, um, a place of trauma in my childhood. Everybody has a story right? Everybody has some trauma in their past. And I do think there's a difference of being like, I am who I am because of this back here versus this happened to me, but I also came out of it this way. So could you talk a little bit about that instead of living in your past? I've heard the quote, you can gaze back at your past and let it inform it, but not dictate the future. And I know you talk about that in your book. Can you unpack that a little bit? Yeah, I, I look at our past as it's kind of a cemetery because everything in that place uh, is done. It's already done. We're not going to start anything over again. 
And so there's limited use of going back there, right? Mm-hmm. So if we live in that place, everything is past. It's all, it's all done. And so the goal is to know that it's there, to be able to visit, but to learn something from it and move on. Um, we don't want, when we lose a person close to us, we don't encourage people to live at the cemetery. We encourage them to visit, to process, to work through that season and move out of there. Mm-hmm. And so that's what we want to do with our past. And so oftentimes people will say to me, okay, so I want to look at my past. Does that mean we're going to have to like talk about it forever? Oh man, that sounds super boring. I hope not. <laughs> I hope not. Uh, because... I don't know what I'm going to do if we have to do that. So we're going to talk about it as long as we need to, uh, to get to a place where you have some peace and you learn something from it. And then we're going to move on. One thing I love that you said, and Rachel read this to me over the phone is that you have to name it though, like name it, understand, let it wash over you, the grief, the hurt or whatever it may be so that you can move on. And I think maybe a lot of people from past generations, this wasn't a thing that we did. We didn't let it wash over us or we didn't identify it. We just didn't talk about it. And then we just went on. Can you talk about the importance of talking about it, naming it in order to move on? Yeah, I'm going to be a real therapist here. So I apologize. Mm. Um, Please do. We we love it. I'm taking notes. This guy, this thing. Yeah, you have to feel it. And so I think past generations, um, they struggle a lot because it wasn't talked about. And so they're a little late to the party. And so now we're like, hey, you know, the thing you've been doing for like your whole life, you should stop doing that, right? You should like just suddenly feel these emotions that you haven't felt for 50 years and see what happens. And that sounds like a really dangerous invitation. And so I I think the thing is kind of like with our vulnerability is starting to feel that in small ways and building from there. Because otherwise, if we've held on to this our whole life and we're just like, let it all out, feel all of it today, we're mush, right? That's actually not very helpful either. And so what we want to learn how to do is just kind of feel that in small ways. And so what I'll tell clients is maybe that's just connecting to like a song or a movie or something where you say like, that makes me think about this thing that happened. Maybe that's the on-ramp to doing the work you need to do. I love that so much. You know, we were just, again, you are such a quotable person, Jason. Like, I mean, I was just talking with our darling friend, Adam Weber, shout out to Adam, who we love. We were just talking about this. He's like, no, it's like, even if I'm just having coffee with him, it's practically like he'll just have this perfect soundbite. So I wanted to kind of revisit then the part of you that's Jason Van Ruler, the the man, the husband, the dad, the friend. So how do, how does it affect your relationships? You being a licensed therapist, you have all this amazing knowledge. How does that play into your other relationships? Like, do, do your kids listen to you more than our kids listen to us? Um, do your, um, not that you would ever fight with your beautiful wife, but do those um, discussions take like two minutes instead of two hours? Like how do you sort of integrate your therapist self just into the rest of your whole self as Jason, if that makes sense? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, it's a struggle because they don't think I'm as cool as I do. So I'm like, <laughs> everybody else thinks I'm amazing. And they're like, you're just our dad. And they're like, oh, okay. Um, so I offered to autograph the book for the kids and they just didn't care. So I was <laughs> no like, takers. That's fine. That's fine. Um, you know, actually, it's been really interesting because I think for the longest time, I felt like if I just did enough work to become a good enough therapist, I'd be a good husband. I'd be a good dad. And what I've actually learned through getting a lot better at my profession is that that's not the answer for me at home. At home, the answer is just to be there. And so I'm kind of like, oh, man, I, I read a lot of books and had a fancy education to learn that I need to be home. And so for me, the wrestling matches, um, I get to be this person that helps a lot of people. And so that's super important for me. Uh, but at home, what my family wants is just who I am. Hmm. 
and who I am is a therapist as well as a lot of other things. Um, and so for me, it's just kind of been like walking out the balance of, um, hey, maybe they're not looking for my advice right now. Maybe they don't want to know what book they could read to fix it. Maybe they just want me. And so I've been really trying to lean into that space. That's really beautiful. And I feel like that's something that we could all take note of no matter what our profession is, which is so good. Okay, Jason, we have to give the people what they want. And a topic that is just very buzzy right now is people are talking a lot about narcissism, labeling people as narcissists that, I mean, maybe they are, maybe they're not, we don't know. Um, So could you talk about that a little bit? Why is that such a popular topic right now? Maybe it always has been. Maybe you've seen it a lot in your work. I don't know. I just, Rachel and I've been talking about a lot. We've seen it pop out more recently than in the past. And we're just curious about it. And the people are curious too. Can you talk about narcissism? I haven't heard anyone talking about it. So this is, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding you. I'm totally kidding. Maybe we're the narcissist, Tracy. <laughs> That sounds like a very narcissistic We're the thing problem. to say. Uh, if you want to talk about that, here's a TikTok to diagnose you. Um, yes, yes, it is totally a thing. As as there always has to be a thing. So with social media, it can't say the same because people are bored. And so what I found around this is my experience. What I found around clinical terms is that a lot of the popular ones are the ones where it's somebody else's deal and not ours. And so the thing with like narcissism, for instance, is that kind of absolves you of a lot of responsibility because it's like, well, they're a narcissist. And so what can I do? That's their problem, not mine. And, you know, it's human nature to just gravitate towards things like that, where we just say, yeah, um, I identify with being the victim here. I identify with the person who it's not their fault. And there's definitely room and space for that. But I think what happens then is we have a bunch of people just saying, my relationship didn't work out. It must be because you're a narcissist. Uh, And it's like, well, if you look into clinical diagnosis, that's actually really rarely diagnosed. That's not like a popular diagnosis. And so what I find is people are kind of bringing these things back. And it's like, well, clinically speaking, that's not as relevant as you think. Could you say, what is a clinical diagnosis for someone who is actual narcissist? What are like the hallmark things? Because I think it's very interesting that you're saying that this is rare because like we have been talking amongst ourselves, is everybody a narcissist? Because, <laughs> well, it's a spectrum. I mean, so the okay. thing is, is it's, it's like everything else in the sense that it is a spectrum and there are seasons where we would definitely be more narcissistic than others. And certainly children would, would be on that spectrum, right? The whole world revolves around us when we're kids. We just don't think about other people. And so I think that spectrum, we talk a lot about the extreme, but not about the fact that most people aren't there. Oh, it's so good. Jason, I don't know that this was actually addressed in your book, but can you share with us a little bit, at what point did you realize that you wanted to become a therapist? You'd benefited from counseling. You're on this other path. When did you decide that this was a calling that you wanted to follow? Yeah, I I wish I brought it. I actually have a journal um, because I've always journaled my whole life. And so at age eight, I journaled. I wanted to be a therapist and have like a brownstone building and write a book. Um, I think it's because I've always dressed like a therapist. And so I've just been I was in like my little corduroys and bass weegans. And I was like, I I just want to be a therapist because it fits. (laughs) And so always I have. um, But life got in the way. Right. So um, I had clarity, but it got complicated. And so I had to work through that before I could come back. So writing a book then was natural to you. Do you have a few more books in you? I am working on more now. Yeah. Yeah. So my hope is just to keep writing. Um, that is something I really love to do. Um, I, I had always wanted to, but I wasn't quite sure how that would actually work. And so having done it now, I'm like, let's let's just do this. I want to do more. Can you talk to us about how did you get Because I 
as creatives, it's just hard to put yourself out there in even as a book and something that you're so passionate about and you're clearly educated in, but how did you get there to say, okay, I'm ready to write this book. And were there people behind you being like, Jason, write this book? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, There were definitely people encouraging me. Um, and Bob Goff was one of them. So he was like, just write it. And and he's always a guy uh, that I'm like, what about all the details? Like, let's talk about 20 things. He's like, just write the book. And so I was like, oh, okay, all right, well, I just wrote the book. So I did it. Um, and yeah, it was vulnerable. And for me, uh, I had this season when it came out a couple of weeks ago of just kind of having a vulnerability hangover. I'm just like, oh man, this is super personal. And a lot of people don't know anything about me and now they do. But I think it's good to do things like this and go all in if it helps somebody. So I'm like, if the benefit is that it helps somebody, it's worth it. Like I can be a little uncomfortable if if it helps somebody. Uh, But there is that part of me that was like, oh man, now what? People know things, right? And what am I going to do in this space? Um, And then I just thought, you know, like what if I role modeled what I'm telling people to do? Like that's a kind of a costly idea, but like, what if I just live that out? And so that, that's kind of where I'm in right now. So, uh, I'm saying like, yeah, I hope you love the book. Um, and if you don't, I'll make it weird and be really uncomfortable, uh, and say it doesn't bother me, but I'll probably cry about it later. Uh, and so I'm cool. Like, it's great. I'm kind of in that season. I love that so much. And I will say, I, from what I knew of you prior to this book, I always respected you. And I thought, I actually thought that, oh, he's this kind of like more serious therapist. You know, got really taken seriously. And then getting to know you better, you have this amazing sense of humor. And then I thought all the personal stories that you shared just were so endearing. I don't want to spoil anything, but there's a great story about your rollerblades in there as a kid. And I mean, it was just, I thought you really struck a great balance between like practical advice that makes it about the reader, but also again, those personal vulnerable stories. So I feel like you hit that balance. Thank you. Really beautifully. Thank you. Today's episode is brought to you by Ignite Fitness Studio, our favorite place to work out, Tracy. Oh gosh, our favorite. We found Ignite Fitness Studio, gosh, at the end of the pandemic when we just needed to get out of our houses and do something positive for our body. And we took our first class and we have never looked back. Everybody was so incredible, Tracy. They were so warm and welcoming. There was so much body positivity and inclusivity. It was the most incredible feeling. And you know, I've done hot yoga for years, but this infrared heat at Ignite hits just totally different. The room is not stuffy and you just experience a feeling of total detox when you're done. Absolutely. There's so many incredible endorphins. There's a variety of classes, Trace. There's low intensity, high intensity, something for everyone. If you go to ignitefitness.studio or the Mind Body app to sign up, your first class is always free. We can't wait for you guys to check it out. Thank you so much, Ignite Fitness Studio. Something we like to do in this podcast, Jason, is just encourage other people that may, maybe they have a book inside of them, or maybe they want to get out and start telling their story. What advice do you have for somebody who kind of is just scared to do what you have done and kind of put yourself out there? And you started with the social media and well, no, you started before that as a therapist, inviting people into your space to help them. And then more publicly in social media and now even more publicly with a book, what kind of advice do you have for Well, people like us, honestly, that are doing things to put ourselves out there. Yeah, just take the next step. Um, So I I was on a podcast and like, how do you do all this stuff? They like, I think they're expecting a really complex answer. And I'm like, oh, I just asked people who had done it before what they did. And then I just did it. And they're like, oh, are you serious? And I'm like, yeah, that's pretty much it. I just did the thing. Um, And so for me, getting on social media was I want to write a book. So I talked to an agent and the agent said, you can't write a book if you don't have a social media following. And I was like, okay, guess I better figure that out. And then I did that. And then I did the next thing. So I think 
get used to taking small steps every day and the big stuff comes along with it. That, that's just the way we look at it. Uh, because if you only focus on the big stuff, you're disappointed most of the time. Again, that's just <laughs> best episode we've ever done. <laughs> just so, so I should be taking notes. So succinct, just so like no BS. I'm loving it. So do the next thing, Rachel. Let's do it. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> For people that want more information about you, Jason, where can they find you all around the web? And of course, we're going to link to your book and everything in the show notes. But if you could just share with our listeners where they can find you. Yeah. Yep. So I'm on uh, all social media platforms, but Instagram's where I do the most stuff. So it's jason.vanruler. And then uh, my website is jasonvr.com. And so on there, I've got links to all the socials as well as some free resources for relationships and getting started with therapists and all that good stuff. Fabulous. That's fantastic. I have one lasting question because something I wanted to know about you. You are not shying away from your faith and you mentioned God in your book. How does that, how did that play a role as you're growing up and as you're, as a therapist, how does faith kind of ground you? Yeah. So it's super important to me. Um, it's, uh, that's a great question. I, I think for me, um, I wrestled with God for a long time. And so I, I really wasn't part of the fan club for a while. Um, and I kind of circled back. And, and so for me, faith is kind of everything. I think what's been hard for me as a therapist is, um, I'm not a pastor, I'm a therapist. So my job is that informs me, uh, but not everybody has to feel that way. And so what I'm always trying to do is just kind of give people an on-ramp if they want and meet them where they're at. Uh, but for me, day in, day out, like, I don't know how I do healing without that. So great. Um, I also wanted to bring up, I know we keep saying one last yeah. question. Just kidding. There's like three more, three more questions. Jason, Jason, don't leave. Um, you had said something again. This is, I believe, in the, our, the small group setting. But you had talked about the the danger that can sometimes happen when we put ourselves in a little bit of like a rescuer or like a hero role. And um, you shared a little bit about that in your personal clinical experience. And could you just unpack that a little bit for people too? Why, when you come alongside people that you love and you're trying to help, you don't want to get into that rescuer victim mentality, but you really just want to walk alongside people. Can you just delineate that a little bit for people? Yeah. Well, I think when people are struggling, a lot of times what they need is space and encouragement, right? So they need space to grow and encouragement to do it. Uh, but what we do a lot of times out of our own discomfort is we just try to save them. We just say, you know, what would be faster is if I just saved you right now. And that's why, um, you know, when people are like, why don't homeless people change when you give them money? Uh, because it actually doesn't teach them the thing they needed to know. And so our friends, our relationships, they're just like that, where what those people really need is someone to come alongside them that loves them and encourages them and says, I think you got this. You know, and, and I think we don't often have that because we live in a fast paced world where I just as soon save you. It'd just be easier um, because then I don't have to feel weird about it. Right. Um, and I think as a therapist, that was one of the first things I struggled with is I'd have someone sit on my couch and they'd say something and I would literally think, how do I solve this? How do I solve this? Um, and what I learned is like that actually doesn't honor the person at all because maybe they have a better solution than I do. So what I need to do is I just need to love them where they're at and give them some options and support. That's so great. And I think sometimes too, again, just like the best motivations, like we see somebody that people love, that we love and they're in pain. So our first instinct is, oh, how can I just remove this pain? So they're not feeling it anymore. But again, as we learn and grow, that sometimes like we've said to take us back to the start of the convo, like we have to face the pain, we have to work through it. And it's actually the most loving thing to walk alongside them while they do it. So thank you so much for exploring that a little bit with us as well. Okay. Pivoting a bit. We end every show, Jason, talking about something that we are loving. So it could be anything, a book, a person, a place. What are you loving this week? 
Uh, somewhere warm would definitely be <laughs> on my list. Cosine. Yes, sir. Awesome. Uh, yes. So, yeah, I, I think it would be great to to be back in Florida. Um, I've been reading Faith Yuri Cho's new book, which has been really good. Um, Experiencing Friendship with God. I really enjoyed that this week. So, yeah, that'd probably be my list. Okay, that's awesome. I want to read that. Yeah, she's fantastic. Okay, what about you, Rach? I was hoping you wouldn't ask because oh, sure. I actually closed out my window that had it in there. So <laughs> ask me. And then you've got to tell me if I've said this before. Okay. I love that. We're fact checking you real time. And you have to do that. I yes. Yeah. We're always talking, Jason, that we need a handler. We're like, who's who's going to be the handler today of each other? Well. Right. <laughs> exactly. Kaylin. Who I think is it? Kaylin should be all of our handlers. She yes. Be my job. handler. Yes. So good. How about you, Trace? Okay. So I'm loving this podcast. And again, Rachel, please stop me if I've said this before called Blurry Creatures. Have you guys heard of this? No. I've shared it with Rachel a couple of weeks ago, maybe a few weeks ago. It is this wild podcast, you guys. It is so good. It just expands your mind a little bit. It started out, they have hundreds of episodes at this point, but it started out just kind of goofy. They wanted to talk about B- Bigfoot. Like, does Bigfoot exist? What is Sasquatch? All these things. And it has evolved into such an incredible podcast, just a school of thought of just exploring what they call blurry creatures, things, and it's faith-based as well. So they talk about like the Nephilim in the Old Testament, and they then they've gone on to talk about you know spiritual things. And they've even talked about AI. And recently they talked about frequencies. It is so mind bending. Some of the stuff you're like, okay, I don't know. I don't know. And, but some episodes you're like, I have never thought about that. And now I can't stop thinking about it. And recently Annie F Downs, which I think we all know, Jason, I think you were on her podcast. She had them on yesterday. And I was like, Annie knows about blurry creatures. Yes. Worlds just collided. I know. So Annie F Downs, one of my favorite podcasts as well. So we love her. The fact that she had them on, it was just so good. So check it out. Blurry creatures. It's on every platform. It's amazing. I'm obsessed that you just said this. And actually, I need to evoke one of the podcast husbands. My husband, Christopher uh, Tracy, had turned him onto this. He is obsessed. And he was saying that it actually, you said it, Trace. He's like, it actually has been this tool for my faith in a way that was wholly unexpected because he's always been kind of interested in like these sorts of things. So thank you for helping him on his spiritual journey as well. A- aliens and Jesus. Who knows? Who knew? Hands in hands. That's a teacher. That's a teacher. Like Jason's going to come back and unpack that with us as well. That'll, that'll be a sense. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay, Rachel, what are you loving? Oh my gosh. Thank you so much. Okay. I have something called staynear.co and near is N-E-A-R. And so this is a little bit on brand with what we're talking about, but it's an organization that is a mission to improve the way we care and connect during times of serious illness and grief. And it's this beautiful set of resources. So if somebody, for example, has a cancer diagnosis or is going through some sort of illness or just other type of grief, there's like a care registry where they can sign up for the things that they need. There's other resources, articles, and it's just such a beautiful thing to have because again, when we see people in pain, we want to help. We sometimes don't know what to say. We don't know what to do. And everybody needs something different when they're going through pain. We all process things differently. So I thought this was just a fantastic resource the woman who started it, she became a caregiver for her grandmother when she was like 10 years old. And then she just went on just again, one of these like beautiful caring people. Her name is Christy Knudsen, but she's a healthcare strategist and entrepreneur. I will link this in the show notes and just something I discovered this week. And I'm so excited to explore it further. So it's stayneer.co and near is N-E-A-R. That's awesome. 
Thank you for sharing that. I love the diverse answers yeah, of what wow. we're loving this week. Alien, books, <laughs> it's, it's grief. I like it. We covered a lot of ground. We, lot we of have. Ground. We really did. Jason, thank you so much. We are just so honored to have you here in our studio. And we can't, I can't wait to read your book. I've not, not read it yet. And we're excited for our readers to pick it up. Yes. And again, it's Get Past Your Past by Jason Van Ruler. And we're so excited for those of you who don't already know and love him like we do. We're so excited for you to meet him. So thanks, Jason. Thanks so much for having me. This is great. Thank you so much for joining us for today's episode of Isn't It Lovely? If you love what you hear, please rate, review, and subscribe by clicking on our show in your favorite podcast app and following the prompts. You can download all of our episodes on Spotify, iTunes, SoundCloud, and Google Podcasts. You can also find all of our episodes on our website at www.isitnotlovely.com. And we are also on Instagram and our handle is Is It Not Lovely Podcast. Keep looking for the lovely in all things. Thanks for listening.